Thank you, Alan. Peace of Christ to you too, brother. Well, now as we uh, complete this uh, journey on, uh, of transformation, as we're looking at the, the end of, of Paul's letter to the church in Rome, um, today we, we focus on being transformed by unity, by unity with Christ and how he leads us to be unified with one another in him. And what I've, uh, uh, one thing to note is that uh, our society does not help promote the kind of unity that Jesus calls us to. And the way that we pursue that unity. Because our, our society, you know, in a sense, sort of the economic system. And uh, uh, our economic system works that when everybody is really most focused on their own individual desires. You know, if you're, you're focused on what you need and what you want, and that's in a sense what the, the world, that our society is going to promote for you and me all the time to tell us what needs you don't have met because they have right here to sell to you exactly what you need to satisfy those needs. And if you aren't focused on meeting your preferences and your desires, then that really doesn't help the economic system. But what we'll find, um, and, and, you, know, and you, you see that, I mean, all over the place. You know, I mean, growing up, remember, um, uh, you know, have it your way. You know, who, who was that? Who's that said, have it your way? Yeah, yeah. And their competitor said, you, you, you de- said, where's the beef? That's one. You deserve a break today. Remember that one? You know, and, you know, I've got a card um, over at a little bakery. You know, it's called Panera Bakery. I, I think they're a billion-dollar company. But you know what that card says? My Panera. You know, like they are there for me and me only. Right? And, and you know what else? You know, at the place where I bank, you know, there's some billion-dollar worldwide conglomerate, but I've got a personal banker. Just for me there. You know, so the, the, the voices and the ways that are around us will be telling us, focus on you, on your needs, on what you want and how you can meet those needs. But what we're going to find out today is that Paul is going to tell us, no, to be transformed, to pursue the unity that Jesus has that, that will bring glory and honor to God, that will bring pleasure to our Creator, is the kind of unity that requires us to set aside our preferences and our desires and pleasing ourselves and instead working to please and serve others for the glory of God. They just go against one another. Uh, Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for your written word and help us to hear it. Help us to hear your word uh, to us. The word that we know brings life, that, that truly brings transformation, that, that brings life and life with you, life with you eternally. Help us hear that and to critique the, the words of our society and our world that don't coincide with yours. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
All right, uh, it's Romans chapter 15. We'll start with verse 1. It's found on page 924 in your pew Bibles. Hear the word of the Lord. I'm, I'm going to go, uh, I'm just going to go through verse um, 7. Okay, Josh, just through verse 7 this time. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may, with one voice, glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I want you to notice up front, just sort of walk through this passage here. You know, at the beginning, he's talking to the strong. Again, we've, we've t- talked about that before in weeks prior, and you can read about it before. But really, he's talking to the mature, and he's, he's saying those that have been in Christ for a while, those who are growing in Christ, you have a responsibility. And it's, you know, again, this is sort of the, the opposite way that the world works. You know, the, op- the world works as, man, you, you pour yourself into your job for so many years, and then you retire and you sit back. And that's what we call mature living. They even have a magazine called Mature Living. Yeah? But that's not the way that Paul is, is saying the Christian life is. He says the more mature you become in Christ, the more responsibility you have to lay aside yourself and to pour into the life of others. Yeah? As we mature in Christ... We become more and more like Christ, which means as He laid down His life for the good of others, so too do we as we mature in Christ. We are, as as Paul says here in in verse 2, that we're to please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up that neighbor. And by building up, that means helping them mature in Christ. We're going to... Talk in, in a little bit, uh, we'll have one interview and a big um, presentation tonight at, at 6.30 in Fellowship Hall of how the summer ministries are around that principle. That, that adults pour into young adults who pour into children. That, that adults who, are, who we uh, hope and pray are mature in Christ. Because you're adult doesn't mean you're mature in Christ. But that you're mature in Christ, pouring into young adults so that they might grow in Christ, so that they might then share their faith with um, children. And that that's the pattern of the Christian church that Paul talks about here, that higher responsibility. So instead of the way of the world, you have upward mobility, it's downward discipleship. Becoming more and more like Jesus in the eyes of the world. Now, the eyes of the kingdom of God is totally the other way around. If we go the way of the world, that's downward mobility. But we go the way of Jesus, that is upward 
discipleship. So that's what Paul is saying to us here. The, uh, the more mature we are in Christ and the higher responsibility we have. And, there, and just as the summer ministry, so there are greater opportunities programmatically and organically. Programmatically through crash and through children's Sunday school, um, through a mentoring, treehouse, and whiz kids, ways of folks to pour into others. And then also just organically in, in, in adult classes and then just in relationships that, that we are pouring into others. I mean, families, in a sense, are the primary disciple-making unit. Where the parents, as the mature ones in Christ, are then to pour on to their children so that their children, when they, if they are so blessed to become parents, then will do the same. But the, the goal here, though, in all of this area of responsibility then, is we're learning to set aside our desires Setting aside pleasing ourselves, as Paul says here, so that we might pour into others to build them up into Christ. And the reason for that is because that's what Jesus did. That's how Jesus lived, right? I mean, he, he in, in a perfect way, shows us one who was in downward discipleship. Following the ways of the Father perfectly. Giving up the comforts of home in heaven. Becoming human in order to die for me and for you. That that He who was totally innocent took what we deserved on the cross so that we who are guilty could get what He deserved. Which was life eternal with God forever. Salvation. I mean, that's the way of Jesus. So, I mean, this, this works out beautifully because the more we mature, the more we mature. Right? The, the, the more we're, we're growing, the more responsibility we have, then the more we say we give up who we are in order to pour into others, which is more and more like Jesus. It's pretty wise how God sort of set that up for us. But that, that transformation occurs as we are unified with Jesus and giving ourselves away for the growth of others to become more and more like Christ. Now, I want you to notice then verse 4 and 5 and, and, and see that this is a gift from God. So in verse 3 he says, For this is how Christ is. You know, Christ didn't please himself, but as it's written, and he quotes from Psalm 69, saying that this is what God's been planning all along for what Jesus was to do in terms of giving himself away, and we, we follow after him. And then verse 5 he's saying, Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. So the, this psalm was written so that we would, would learn from that. So that, you know, so for the purpose so that it would have an impact on us of making us steadfast, another word for patient, another word for perseverance, that, that, that we would be committed for the long haul. So we'd be steadfast, and by the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And then he turns verse 5 into a prayer. Because he knows now, now we're getting into spots that we just aren't all that excited about getting into. 
Giving ourselves away, following Jesus like that, being transformed that much to be like Jesus. Wait a minute, that's really sort of pushing us into hard places. Well, yeah, and it doesn't happen unless God empowers it within us. Which is why then Paul ends this paragraph here with a, with a, or this statement with a, a prayer. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so first, verse 5, see, then he makes this a prayer because the, what is crucial here as we're being transformed, as we're being um, transformed, becoming more unified, that first we're unified with Jesus. That God is the one who brings that perseverance, who brings that encouragement, who brings that hope that will move us to give of ourselves for building up of one another. And this is a really, this is a real crucial point. It's not then, okay, I read this, I need to be more and more like Jesus, and Jesus gave his life away, and he didn't try to please himself. So that means whatever I want, even if it's a double scoop of black, um, of, uh, black raspberry, then that means I can't have that. And that would be more and more like Jesus. So I'm going to try harder and do that. That's wrong. It just doesn't work that way. We don't have the capacities within us to do what Jesus wants to do. What we've got to do then is run to Jesus. We've got to go hang out with Him. We've got to connect with God in all of His fullness because He's the God of steadfastness. He's the God of encouragement. He's the God of hope. And as we connect with Him, then He pours into us so that we can pour into others. Not, not a matter of sort of squinting and trying really hard and making our will do what we're supposed to do. It's a matter of running to Jesus. Hanging out with Him and pursuing God with all of our heart and letting Him pour into us and change us from the inside out. And when we do this, when we're, when we're changed in this way, what happens is that God works in us so that we live in harmony with one another. The end of, of verse 5, that we live in harmony with one another. As we're doing that, as we're following Christ, that will bring us closer together. In a way, it's like a love triangle. That's what I tell uh, um, uh, couples when they get married. You know, as you both are pursuing Jesus together, then you're going to be drawn closer to one another. If you're pursuing the same Lord together. And, and the same is true in the family of faith. As we are pursuing Jesus together, then we're going to be drawn closer to one another. With the result that. Now verse 6. This is really one of the, the, the kickers of this passage. So that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we then are trans, as we're, as we're unified with Jesus and then unified with one another, and as we come together really in real ways, gathering right now, and we sing together of the, of the beauty and wonder of God, then we are fulfilling the very purpose of the church that God has for us right here. 
that, that we participate then in the very glory and magnanimous beauty of God when we come together in one voice and one mind. Do, do you realize that when we gather here and in other times before God, that we are participating in the spiritual reality of God's glory and God's beauty. That when Jesus unites us, when we're connected in Jesus, no matter our differences, we are shouting to the principalities and powers of the spiritual powers of this world. We are shouting of the glory of God. That's, that sort of makes this gathering a little more significant, doesn't it? This is not about me getting fed. You know, this is about us gathering, being unified with Jesus, being drawn together, and there battling the evil of this world that wants to shut down the glory of God, that wants to somehow put rust on the glory of God, that somehow wants to diminish the glory of God, and we are participating with it. When we come, in spite of all of our differences, united in Jesus. I mean, remember, we've been talking here, Jesus is talking to, or Paul is talking to, to Jews and Gentiles, people from very different backgrounds, different religious heritage. Man, they didn't like one another. It wasn't just that, that they had a little different background. They didn't like one another. But from the beginning, at the core of what Paul is saying, our being transformed and unified together in Jesus brings glory, shines, magnifies the glory of God in our life with one another. And then, then Paul gives us one more time. All right, so then this is, this is how it works. Here, here's, the, here's what then you need to do in, in verse 7. You know, what, what's one of the, the specific ways then, in verse 7, then we, this is where then he gives the command. So therefore, because of this, um, because of this reality, what we then need to do is we need to work on welcoming one another as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God. Again, you see, this ties it together. This might be one of the theme verse in this section. It's as you, as we, you know, relate to Jesus, as we run to Jesus, as we see how Jesus welcomes you and me, then we're taught, we're prepared, then how we welcome one another. And how we welcome others outside of the faith. Because people, even outside the church, we want them to, to grow in Christ as well. And as we are in touch with the uh, magnanimous grace of God who welcomes me and you, then we welcome others in that same way. And again, that feeds into the wondrous glory of God. As I consider then how Jesus has welcomed me and continues to welcome me, I am overwhelmed. That that He has hung with me and forgiven me time after time after time. That He has welcomed me even though I am a selfish human being. 
even though my primary motivation is really to seek my own fame and acclaim. He he has welcomed me even though I can be characterized by pride and lust and greed. He has welcomed me. He loves me and forgives me even though you know, I've been following him for 30-something years, been doing this for a little over 20, ought to know better. But he continues to welcome me and to love me and to forgive me. And he does to every one of us here and to everyone that we know. No matter what we've done and how many times we've done it, no matter if we really shouldn't know better, we don't know any better. He welcomes us and loves us with a a grace that far exceeds our understanding. Far exceeds our imagination. And he's, He's welcomed me with grace and He's welcomed me with truth. I mean, the great thing is he loves me to the extent that he does not want me to stay as a larva. He he wants me to continue to move in that process of transformation, to be all that he's created me to be. And that is my trajectory and yours. That is his plan for us. He is moving us in that way. And as we unite with him, he'll he'll take us that way. So he, he, he welcomes me with grace and he welcomes me with truth. And he teaches me. He shows me over and over again, you know, this isn't about you. This isn't about your fame. This is about mine. Yeah, he, he welcomes me and he, he welcomes me with truth. And he says, you know, you, you really shouldn't be judging people according to their appearances. You know, don't, don't be judging. And if people that look good to you, you want to get in their good graces. And people that don't, you sort of ignore. That's not the way that, that I do it. And so he welcomes me with truth. He, he welcomes me with truth when, when I want to lie in order to save face. And he says, no, that's, that's not the way of truth. That's not the way that I do it. And he welcomes me with, with truth and grace. You know, it's great. It's a great thing because you know, if we're trying to do this on our I mean, this is really good news. If we're trying to do this on our own, you know, then that means I've got to try harder and do better. That, that's not the point. When Jesus welcomes me with grace and truth and I see my sin, then my reaction it should be and is moving to be to just run to Him every time and say, Jesus, I am broken mess and You aren't. I'm a clinging to You. I'm not going to try harder. I'm just clinging to you. It reign in me. We're transformed as we're unified with Him. And then as we're unified with Him, as we continue to experience the magnanimous grace and truth of God that welcomes each one of us every day, open-armed, fully and completely, and then we are set free to welcome one another. And we're, we're set free to, to go to the block party and welcome whoever shows up. Because we know Jesus has welcomed us.
as we then draw together, drawing together, welcoming one another as Jesus has welcomed us, and we come together in one mind and one voice to, to participate in the wondrous glory of God. Yeah, there's a, uh, that, that corrects a number of things. One, you know, it, it corrects the notion that, you know, well, I can just go to church on the golf course. You know, just sort of enjoy creation. That's not the picture here. You know, the, the picture here is, no, you're drawing together with other people in real ways. And you are worshiping God together. That's what it means to be together in me and participate in my glory. It's not something, well, I'll just stay at home and I can watch it on TV. And that'll, that'll satisfy. No, that, that's not the picture here. Pictures of people in, in real ways coming together in one mind and one voice, bringing glory and honor to God. We're transformed then in both our unity with Jesus and the unity He calls us to in one another. And as, as we, in relationships with one another, in relationships of respect and honor and love, welcome one another as Jesus has welcomed us, then together we participate in the victory of the resurrection. In the victory of the, the power of Christ really changing us, drawing us together, making us focused on caring for one another and living for the glory of God. That's a transformation that is eternal. That's a transformation that participates in the victory of the resurrection over the principalities, powers of evil that are all around us. Amen.